So this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever experienced uh, something that completely amazed you? Something you look at and it's just the, the beauty of it, it just it almost takes your breath away. Something, uh, something so incredible that you, you have a hard time experiencing or expressing it in words. Janice said they had a, a pretty night last night on the porch enjoying supper. I was... I had to do some stuff last night, and, and uh, Robin and one of our daughters spent, I don't know how long they sat on our back porch. And it was just a pretty evening for it. But we see those things like that, don't we? We've all seen uh, of, and heard of uh, incredible things. Some of them we call marvels. Some of them we refer to as wonders. And this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about some wonders. We're going to be talking about the wonders of God's grace. But just a reminder, some of the wonders that we have seen, natural wonders, a sunrise, First thing in the morning. I don't see those real often. I don't get up early enough. I'll admit to that. Uh, but uh, I work uh, in Greensboro. When I'm in the office, and it's uh, we're on the third floor. It's a fairly tall building. It's it's actually two flights of stairs for each floor to go up. So it's a really tall building. And several months ago, I went in really early one morning, and I I, I stood up from my desk. It was dark when I went. I stood up, and there's walls on the east, and it was the most beautiful sunrise coming up over Greensboro I'd ever seen. It's just a, it's a marvelous thing. Sunsets can be that way too, or a clear, still lake when it's like mirrored finish on a lake. It's a, it's a marvelous thing to see, isn't it? Uh, one of my favorite things to see is on a cold December night to see a fire in the fireplace. And just, just to see the flames licking up and feel that heat, oh, isn't that, isn't that marvelous? Fall leaves, mountain scenes, a, a stream going through a mountain. Those are beautiful things that God has, has, has given us to look at. Ocean waves are beautiful, aren't they? You can get lost in those. You see them coming over. I'm not a water person, but I love to watch water. I don't like to get in it. But it is beautiful to watch. How about a newborn baby? That's a marvel to see, isn't it? How about a bride on her wedding day? Just that glow on her face. That's a, that's a marvelous thing, isn't it? Those are natural uh, wonders, we might call them. There's man-made wonders, architecture. Some of the buildings you see, especially some of the older buildings from the Middle Ages, they're still standing. They're, they're just, I don't know how they built some of those things. To, to see the architecture and the, the arches that came up. I'm an engineer, and I still don't see how some of that stuff went together and how it's held together that long. But they're beautiful, aren't they? Bridges. I've seen some uh, some really beautiful bridges. If you want to think about amazing things, think about the car that brought you here this morning compared to a horse and buggy that the people who first sang that song we were singing a few minutes ago, well, how they got to church on a horse or in a buggy. That It's uh, a new, an automobile, an amazing thing, isn't it? So these are man-made things that we see. Ships, some of the submarines, uh, Submarines have been in the headlines here the last few weeks. It's amazing that you get in a ship and you can, you can sink that thing and you can live in it uh, sometimes for months at a time before they ever resurface. Uh, I went to college with a guy and, and his job was on a nuclear submarine. Their job was to go park that thing under the polar ice cap in case we were attacked and to remain hidden for months on end. And he said they had to go through some really serious psychological tests to be able to do that. And he said the way he got through it, the, for the first few weeks, he pretended that he was on the first manned mission to Mars. And if you knew this guy, you would know he could pretend that very well. He could convince you that's what, what he was on. And that brings to mind another thing, spacecraft. They're, they're amazing, aren't they? All these things are marvels. They're man-made marvels. And then the, we, we all studied in school, the, you remember the, the seven wonders of the ancient world, the 
I'll listen to them here because I can't even remember them all. The Colossus of Rhodes, the great statue, great pyramid of Gaza, it's still there. It doesn't look as good as it did when it was new, I'm sure. It's, it's, it's been through some things over the years. But still very beautiful, isn't it? The Hanging Gardens of Babylon. I've only read descriptions of them. I've seen artists' conceptions of them. and it, 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 the, the descriptions that are given, that would have been a beautiful thing to behold, wouldn't it? The Lighthouse at Alexandria, the Mausoleum at uh, Holoconarsus, the uh, Statue of Zeus at Olympia, Mount Olympia, the, uh, the uh, Temple of Diana at Ephesus. Two of the things on the, of modern, of the ancient wonders of the ancient world were monuments to false gods. Isn't that sad? It really is, isn't it? But the thing about it, all of these incredible things that we could talk about, they all suffer pretty much the same thing. Age, deterioration. The uh, Great Pyramid's still there, but it's, it's aging, and it's showing its age, isn't it? Most of the other, I think all of the other, of the ancient wonders of the ancient world are gone. They, they didn't make it through the uh, test of time. They deteriorate. Uh, most of them, it is uh, ultimate destruction. But today I want us to talk about something that, uh, a series of wonders that never deteriorate, and they're the wonders of God's grace. And I think some of this, it's, gonna, it's not going to be new. It's going to be probably review. You probably already know these things. But I think it's good to be reminded of it from time to time, that God's, the wonders of God's grace never deteriorate. They never show signs of age. They never wear out. They're always just as, just as pleasant to us as they ever were. And we're going to begin looking at this in Isaiah, if you want to turn there. Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses that, uh, that help remind us of God's wonders of grace. But first we're going to uh, read some verses, in, uh, or, or one verse in particular, in Isaiah that's not all that flattering. And we'll see that in a minute. But let's pray before we, we begin. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be in your house again today. We thank you, Lord, for giving us a desire to be here. Uh, there's any number of places that people could be instead of your house today, but we thank you for giving us a desire to be here. We pray, Lord, as we look into your word, that you would speak to our hearts. We pray for this period of time, Father, that we'd be able to lay aside the, the things of the world that might distract us. Uh, we know the devil would love to distract us. But we pray, Father, that as we've come together today, we've already sang your praises. We started this service singing of your holiness. And we know, Father, that you are holy. You are holy. You are holy. Those words came here from this book of the Isaiah's prophecy. And we're reminded of that this morning. And Father, as uh, we, we've heard prayers uttered this morning, we've, we've heard prayer requests, and we're reminded of our weakness before you. There's sickness among us. There's, uh, there are people here who have been uh, in, afflicted with disease and sickness that has uh, impacted them for, for long periods of time. But we know, Father, that you are still our God. And we know that you still sustain us. And we pray for that sustenance this morning. We pray, Lord, that you'd open our hearts to receive your word. We pray the Holy Spirit would be uh, free to move among us, to uh, influence us. If there is sin in our lives, we pray that you might uh, point that out to us. It's already been requested this morning. Would you lead us to confess those sins? Father, if there's anyone here this morning who's hurting, we pray that you might uh, give a message to their hearts, those hurting hearts this morning. We pray if there's anyone here today who's never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, that something might be said or done in this service today that could uh, help lead them to Him. And we just pray that you would take this time now, Father, and use it for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start reading 
uh, one verse here, Isaiah chapter 1, and we'll read uh, verse 4. Isaiah is speaking to uh, the nation of Israel. And he says this, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They've forsaken the Lord. They provoke the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They're gone away backward. That's not at all flattering, is it? Talking about God's chosen people. And, and terms like they're laden with iniquity, they're evildoers, they're, corrupt, they're children that are corruptors. They've turned away from the Lord. They're not following Him. They're not, the Lord tries to lead them this way, and He says they're not going that way. They're going way backward. They're going the, the wrong direction. And so that's a terrible thing. And yet, Isaiah goes on, if you look over a little farther in chapter 1, in verse 18, we see that God is still willing to offer grace to these sinful people. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This morning I want us to look at several things that I'm calling the wonders of God's grace. And they're suggested to us by Isaiah chapter 1, and verse 18. The first one that I want us to look at is God's willingness to forgive sinners at all. That, that is a wonder, isn't it? As we look here at Isaiah talking about God's people, again, a sinful nation, laden with iniquity, evildoers, corruptors. They've forsaken the Lord. They provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They've gone away backward. And yet, God says, come now, let us reason together. I'm willing to forgive you, even though you've sinned so egregiously, even so, though you've gone so long. Because I dare, I, here I am, tongue-tied again, I'm sorry. Isaiah is addressing a people who had sinned willingly, as people always do, right? We, has anyone ever forced you to sin? That's not the way it works, is it? We do it because we're drawn into it, we're enticed, we see something we want to do, we know that it's the wrong thing to do, and we do it anyway. That's the way sin has always been, isn't it? Adam's original sin was intentional, wasn't it? We're told that in the Garden of Eden that uh, the serpent tempted Eve... He struck up a conversation with her, and I'm sure it went something like, this is a beautiful place you live here, Eve. This is great. And he says, what do you got to eat around here? Well, God's told us we can eat of all these trees. See how beautiful all this fruit is? And we can have all of it. It's all ours. Except for that one tree over there in the middle of the garden. And He told us not to eat that fruit, because if we eat that fruit, we'll die. But all the rest of it's ours. Can you imagine the excitement of that? And the serpent, Satan speaking through the serpent, said, oh, you won't surely die. God's trying to keep something from you. Look how pretty that fruit is. Don't you want some of that? And we're told that Eve was fooled. She was deceived. And she ate a bite of that fruit. And she said, this is good. And she gave some to Adam. But we're also told Adam was not deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew good and well that was the wrong thing to do, and he did it anyway. And there are, several, there are different theories as to why he would have done it. Some say maybe he thought it looked good too and thought, well, okay. Some actually theorize that maybe he did it because he realized my wife, the one I love, has just condemned herself, and so I'm going to go with her. Sounds like maybe a noble thing. It's a very unwise choice, regardless. It doesn't matter what his motive was. He sinned willingly, didn't he? Just like these people that Isaiah is talking to here, and just like everyone ever since then, Sin continues to be an affront to a holy God, and it is an intentional sin against a holy God, isn't it? And God could have responded with 
uh, to these Jews and to us with law and justice, couldn't he? Because Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. God could respond to our sin with nothing but justice. Because he can't just wink at it, can he? He can't just forgive it and say, Oh, it's okay. I know how I know how you are. I know I know you're weak and all that. God doesn't do that. God is a just. God is a holy God. Uh, uh, the penalty for sin has to be paid, and so He could have told them, "Nope, nope, you sinned. You've done it. You you are these people. You are. I'm going to look back at it again. You're laden with iniquity. You're evildoers. You're corruptors. You've forsaken me. You provoked me. You've gone away from me backward. No, that's it." But he didn't say that. Here he says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. That's good news, isn't it? That's a wonder of God's grace. Isaiah says he chooses to offer forgiveness. And we know that that forgiveness only comes when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? That's the only way that that our sin debt could ever be paid. And that is a wonder of God's grace. I want to read this word, this verse to you. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For by the grace, for by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. He provided a gift for us. He provided a means where we could be saved, where our sins could be forgiven. That is a wonder of God's grace that He's willing to forgive sinners at all, that He's even willing to do it in the first place. The second wonder of God's grace is His willingness to forgive sinners of all all of our sins. I think it's a big uh, wonder of His grace that He, again, that he's, he's willing to forgive us at all in the first place. But He forgives us of everything. He forgives us of all. Jesus prayed the, Jesus paid the price for all of our sins. Every one of them. Christians need to remember that we don't ever have to dread uh, a future judgment for our sins because the Lord Jesus paid that price for every one of them. And I want you to remember, you know, we could, you could have someone make the argument, well, I got saved, but the next day I sinned again. What about that? Well, I can remind, let me just remind you, when Jesus died on the cross, every one of our sins was in the future, wasn't it? He died 19 to 20 centuries before we were born, and He paid the debt for all of our sins. So we don't have to worry about that. They're all paid for. Isaiah 1, again, says our sins will be cleansed, every one of them. Not a trace remaining. It says that by saying that uh, our sins might be as scarlet, but they're going to be as white as snow. They may now be stained the color of crimson, but they're going to be like wool. He's going to clean them all. That's what God says. I'm willing to do that for you. Isaiah 43, verse 25 says, I, even I, this is the Lord speaking, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. He says, I told you I would forgive you and I will do that for my sake because He is a holy God and when He gives His word, He will not go back on it. That would ruin His reputation, wouldn't it? And God is not in the business of ruining His reputation. He says, I will forgive you and that's exactly what He will do. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Isn't that good news? I'm sure you've heard the, the, the explanation for that many times over. If we stand anywhere on this globe and we were to say, if God were to say, I've removed your sins as far as the north is from the south, that's not such good news. Because we can go from anywhere on the planet, we can start going north, and we can keep going north until we get to the North Pole, and if we take the next step, now we're going south. 
we've hit the, the end of north. If we start anywhere on the planet, we go south, we could walk until we hit the South Pole. And the very next step in that direction, we're going north again. That's not so good. If he tells us that, if, if our sins were removed as far as from north from south, well, that's only a certain distance. But you can start anywhere on this planet, and you can start walking west. Where we have, East is that way. You can start walking east, and you can walk east as long as you want to, and you'll never start walking west. You'll never change directions to walk north or south. If you start from here or anywhere in the world and you start walking west, you will continue to walk west forever. God says your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. That's an infinite distance. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good? Isn't that a wonder of His grace? It's a wonder of His grace that He is willing to forgive us at all. It's a second wonder of His grace that He's willing to forgive us of all. Every one of our sins are all taken away. A third wonder of God's grace is His willingness to reason with sinners. Though the, the, the people here that Isaiah was talking to, they had sinned for generations. Yet God was still willing to say, come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. I'm willing to forgive you. To forgive you. God opens that door for a discussion of our sinful condition and how its consequences and how it can be remedied. I want you to visualize, if you will, a courtroom. It's a courtroom where we as sinners stand in front of the judge and we have not only been accused of sin, the evidence has been presented and we stand condemned. It is no, there is no, it's a clear-cut case. We're guilty. We have sinned. And we're guilty of whatever punishment that brings. And we know that the punishment for sin is death, isn't it? It's physical death that... Uh, We'll all face physical death because Adam and Eve sinned, but this spiritual death, eternal separation from God, that's the punishment for sin. And so all of us, as it were, we stand condemned in this courtroom. But instead of God being a judge who simply hands down a sentence and says, condemned, here's, your, here's a sentence, this is what you have to pay. In this courtroom, God is able to offer acquittal to us if we trust in Jesus Christ, right? Because it would not be just for God to require double payment for sin. If we put our trust in Jesus Christ, He's paid our sin debt. We don't have to pay it. Is that a wonder of grace? Absolutely it is, isn't it? So, in place of condemnation, in this courtroom, it's so God says, come into my chambers. Let's discuss this. Let us reason together. And we go into the judge's chambers, and instead of getting a sentence of condemnation, he says, we want to talk about your amnesty. You're not guilty anymore. And you know, when you go into a court of law, have you ever thought about this? When you go into a court of law, well, I am so sorry for this tongue time. When you go into a court of law, you're going to be either found guilty or what? Not guilty. Right? There is no court in the land that will ever declare you innocent. You are declared not guilty. Simply saying there has not been enough evidence submitted to demonstrate your guilt. God goes one step further. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He doesn't say you're not guilty. He says you are innocent. Your sins have been washed away because my Son did that for you. That is a wonder of God's grace, isn't it? So it's a wonder that He's willingness to forgive us at all. It's a wonder that He's willing to forgive us of all. It's a wonder that He's willing to reason with us as sinners and to say, I've got a solution for you. A fourth 
wonder of God's grace is His offer to reason with us after all He's already done for us. Think about uh, in Isaiah 1.18. Again, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And yet he's still talking about their sins. He's, uh, Isaiah was addressing, or God was addressing through Isaiah's prophecy, the Israelites. We talked a little bit about them last week and, and the history of, uh, of the Jewish people. You remember what God had done from them, for them. He had chosen them out of all the people in the world. And he said, you're going to be my people. And he didn't do it because they were better looking than anybody else. He didn't do it because he liked their hair color or their eye color better than anyone else in the world. He didn't do it because they were more talented than anyone else in the world. He didn't do it because they sang better or anything. He simply said, I choose you because I choose you. You're going to be my people. And then he had set them apart. And he had brought them into the land of Canaan. And then at one point there was a famine and they went into the land of Egypt. And they found themselves there in a very lush part of the land of Egypt, the land of Goshen. And at some point the Egyptians thought that, well, there's too many of them. If we ever have a war and they side with our enemies, we're in trouble. So they enslaved them and they forced them to, to, to be slaves, to, to force labor for the Egyptian government. And after some four centuries, God led Moses and he led them out and he he punished the, the Egyptians for, for what they'd done to them, and he said, now you're free. He led them into the wilderness, and for 40 years he led them through that wilderness. And you know what the, the Bible says? He gave them food to eat that they didn't plant. It was manna. He gave them water to drink. They didn't dig wells. Moses at one point smote a rock, and water came out, enough to, to feed tens of thousands of people. Or not feed, but to give them something to drink. They were even told that their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out, as the children grew through that 40 years' time. Can you imagine that? If you've ever had little kids, uh, one of our daughters was telling us last night, they suddenly realized that um, their little boy only had one pair of shoes that still fitted. They grow that fast, don't they? Not, in, not these people as they're wandering through the wilderness. That problem was taken care of. God said, I'm going to take care of you. You sinned against me, but I'm going to see you through this. They led them into the or God led them into the land of Canaan, a land uh, they inherited uh, vineyards they didn't plant. They inherited uh, a very fertile land. Why? Because God said, "I am your God. You are my people. I'm going to do this for you." And then what happened? They sinned against Him, didn't they? He set. He gave them His law. He set up worship for them. And he said, this is the way you shall worship me. You shall not worship the false gods around you. And they did it anyway, didn't they? Because they liked the way they looked, I guess. I don't know. They had a living God who demonstrated his presence with them by a, a pillar of cloud uh, by day, a pillar of fire at night. When they built the, set up the tabernacle and later the temple, the Shekinah glory of God came and dwelt between the cherubim on the, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. The living God is the one that He told them to serve. And they, they chose these little statues. And have you, seen, have you seen the pictures in history books of the, little, of the gods? The representations of gods of, of, of the ancient world? They were hideous. And they chose that over a God of beauty, a God of holiness, a God of power and strength. They chose man-made things. And they did this generation after generation after generation. 
And yet though they continued in sin, God was still willing to say, come now, let us reason together. I'll take care of your sin problem. Sins may be like scarlet now, but they're going to be like quiet as wool when I'm done with them. He was still willing to do that. I want you to think, what is all the things He's ever done for us in our lives? The safety He's given us all our lives. And you know, we may have a bump up here and there, and, and, and things go wrong from time to time. But God has still protected us, hasn't He? We may be sick. We may be very sick at times. But is there anyone here in the last few minutes who has missed a single breath? We're still breathing. We want to even think about it. We don't have to. Our hearts are still beating. God still continues to look after us, doesn't He? After, after how many times have we done like the children of Israel and we've sinned intentionally and we've done it willingly? He still says, I'm going to take care of you. He's given us families, hasn't He? And the support of families. He's given us friends, neighbors. He's given us a, a support people to help us through the problems that we face. He still does that for us. All our needs are pretty much met, aren't they? Our wants, not so much. We don't always get what we want, but we do get what we need because God's obligated Himself to do that. And yet, how many people are there that continue to sin willingly against a holy God who has done so much for us, and yet He still continues to bless, doesn't He? The rain still falls. The scripture says rain falls on the good and bad. He still blesses us immensely. And He's still willing to offer salvation, that cleansing from sin to anyone who will take it. Romans 5.20 says, Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God's grace is still there regardless of how much people may turn away from Him. So that's a wonder, isn't it? That he's, He is still giving us that reason, or that uh, offer to reason with us after all He's already done for us. Another wonder of God's grace is His work beyond forgiveness. Because He doesn't just forgive us. He, he works to transform us after we're saved as Christians. He doesn't leave us the way we were. We were stained with sin. Yet He cleanses that. He, he, uh, our sins were as scarlet, now they're white as snow. But he, he goes further than that. He wants to transform us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle John took it a little bit further. Uh, Isaiah said, or the Lord speaking through Isaiah, He said, your sins that are scarlet are going to be white as snow. The ones that are red like crimson, they'll be like wool. The Apostle John took it further. He said, if we walk in the light, as He's in the light, we have fellowship with one or one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. It's not just that the stain is gone. We're clean. The Word of God, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. He doesn't, and He doesn't just clean up our sin. He washes us to remove all traces of it. Isn't that good news? Isn't that a wonder of God's grace? God doesn't just forgive us. He changes us into His children. Because we weren't the chosen we weren't born into the chosen race of God. He says, I'm going to forgive you. You put your faith in my Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to adopt you into my family. And at that point, we become sons of God. We become heirs of God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're members of His family and no one can ever take us out of His family from that day forward. Isn't that good news? Isn't that a wonder? Of His grace. Romans 8.29 said, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the name or to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
We're going to be, every day of our Christian lives, the Lord is working on us to conform us more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be like Him. He wants there to be that family resemblance to the Lord Jesus. And sometimes that may not be all that pleasant because there may be some rough edges that He has to to wear away from us. And uh, that can that's not always a pleasant thing, is it, for Him to do that. And yet, it's a demonstration of His grace. A sixth... Um, a sixth image or a reminder of the wonders of God's grace is His forgiveness and His transformation. They're presented in such simple terms to us that we don't miss it. You know, God could have come up, come across with um, the gospel message in some language that we didn't ever understand. We didn't understand. It could be gibberish. Someone can stand in front of us and uh, this morning. I don't have the ability to do this, but there could be somebody standing in front of us reading the gospel to us from Latin. How many of us would understand that? Not much. They could read it to us in German. I might pick up a word or two. I've studied a little bit of German, but not much. French. I studied French in high school. Detested it. Don't remember much of it at all. Maybe a little bit of Spanish. But he gave... The Word of God is given to us in language that we can understand. It's very simple terms. He doesn't, and by the way, He doesn't prescribe some long, tedious list of requirements for us to be saved. Well, if you'll do this, and then you do this, and then you climb to the top of the Himalayas, and you do this, and then you bring me back an eagle's feather from someplace else, and all, there's no long list of tedious things like that, is it? The Gospel is very simple. He simply says, here, come now. Let us reason together. You've sinned against me. You've rebelled against me, but that's okay. I'm willing to talk to you. I'm willing to offer you forgiveness. Isaiah 43, uh, uh, verses 25-26 read like this. He says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Aren't those comforting words? God reminds sinners that He's the one who forgives. And then He says, He does it for His sake because He's promised He's committed Himself to do it. And then He tells us to remind Him of the promise. Isn't that good news? God says, I will forgive your sins if you'll come. If you'll trust My Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior, I will will forgive you of your sins. Now tomorrow you can remind me about that. And the next day you can remind me of that. You can remind me that I've made a promise to remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. You can re- remind me that I've told you I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. He says, you can remind me of that every day if you want to. And we'll continue to talk about it. And I'll continue to agree with you. Yep, you're right. I removed those sins as far as the east is from the west. They're buried in the depths of the sea and I don't remember them anymore. It's almost as though if we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I did it again. God says, what'd you do? Well, I sinned. I committed that sin. You know, I've done it before. And his response is, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I put it away. And we're not worried about it anymore. And so, God is is further evidence of the wonders of His grace, isn't it? That the Gospel message is presented in such simple terms to us. I will forgive you if you will trust my Son. And then there's a seventh wonder of God's grace. It's His patience 
with sinners who continue to refuse His grace. We were in that group at one time, every one of us, weren't we? If you've been born again into God's family, there was a time when you were reminded you were a sinner and you said, no, nah, I'm not that bad. I'll be okay. I don't need to worry about that right now. Some, it may, for some of you, if you were saved when you were young, you may have been thinking, well, I've got plenty of time. There are people now in their 80s or more who still say, I've got plenty of time. I'll tell you what, when you get to be that old, you're riding on borrowed time and there may be very little of it left. And so the Lord says, I'm still going to show you patience even though you've refused my grace all these years. In Isaiah 1.18, God isn't only addressing sinful people at this point. We've got to understand this. He's addressing people who had refused His forgiveness year after year after year. He's addressing a nation who would refuse His forgiveness for generation after generation after generation. And yet He still says, come now let us reason together. We know from history the Israelites were notorious for rebelling against God's teaching. And yet He said through Isaiah, come now let us reason together. You're, you're sinful. You have, remember? You're laden with iniquity. You're evildoers. You have children that are corruptors. You've forsaken me. You've provoked me to anger. You've gone away backward. You're not following me. And yet if you will choose to follow me, I'll save you. I will deliver you from your sin. It's Romans 1. If you remember that, uh, Paul's epistle to the church at Rome, he describes how um, people of all generations... Have, as they look around creation, as they look at everything around them, they're reminded there is a Creator. There is a God that we're accountable to. And He says that for all these generations of people, they just reject the fact that there's a God that they're accountable to. And that's what He's describing. Even though all of creation uh, demonstrates His presence. And Paul reaches this conclusion in verse 20 of Romans 1. He says they're without excuse. When we go through life and we see all that God has created, and we recognize all that God is, and we reject Him, we are without excuse, aren't we? We have to agree with that. And yet, God still bears patiently with us. When we were lost, He still said, come to me. He was still willing to reason with us, just as He was the children of Israel that Isaiah was talking to. That's good news. That's a wonder of God's grace, isn't it? But though we say that, we also have to include what else the Scripture says. God's patience is not guaranteed indefinitely. That's a warning of Scripture. Isaiah 55, verse 6 says this, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Though here in the, in the early verses of Isaiah, God says, Come, let us reason together. He says later, You better seek while He may be found. Because of the indication there, it seems clear that there's a day coming when He might not be near to any one of us. If we continue to reject Him, it is an incredibly dangerous thing to trifle with God's patience and with His grace. It's not recommended at all, is it? God says, I will save you. But the truth of the matter is, not a one of us is ever promised another day, are we? And so we have to keep that in mind. Just to wrap up, Isaiah knew, he knew the wonders of grace, and we've looked at some of them here, and they are wonderful, aren't they? Just these reminders that, that, that God is uh, he's, he's willing to forgive sinners at all. He's forgiving or willing to forgive sinners of all. He's 
willing to reason with us, even after all he's already done for us if we turn away from him. He's still willing to reason with us, isn't he? After all of these wonders of grace, Isaiah knew those, and he recognized that God is loving, God is willing to forgive, he's waited patiently for sinners to repent. That's what Isaiah is teaching here. And if, if you're here this morning and you have trusted Christ as your Savior, we can thank Him for those wonders of grace, can't we? We can thank Him that while we were yet sinners, He continued to work on us and He continued to invite us to come to Him and say, come to me, I'll forgive you. Come let us reason together. Your sins may be red like scarlet or crimson, but I'll clean them. I'll clean you up. I'll let you be born into my family. I will adopt you as one of my own and you will be my child from now on. That, isn't that something to be thankful for? Mm-hmm. If you're here this morning you've trusted Christ, you can thank Him for that. But 2 Corinthians 6.2 provides a further warning. It says, Behold, now is the accepted time. And behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time when God is coming by and He says, Come, let us reason together. I don't know anyone's heart, but I can say this morning, if you're here this morning and you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, None of us has promised another day. And so I would encourage you, before you leave this building today, yield your heart to the Lord. All it takes is asking the Lord Jesus Christ, save me. You said you would. Remember God said, remind me. Remind me of my promise. I will take your sin away. I will wash it away if you trust me. And I would encourage anyone here today, if you've never trusted Christ, do that. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the these wonders of Your grace that we've been able to take, get a glimpse of this morning in the Scriptures. Remind us, Father, day after day of those wonders. Remind us of Your grace. For those here who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, we pray, Lord, that You'd never let us get over the fact that, uh, that You reached down for us. You called us to come to Yourself. You told us that though we were guilty of repeated intentional sin, you were still willing to forgive us with the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that knowledge, Father. We thank you for not giving up on us. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has never trusted Jesus Christ, I pray you wouldn't give up on them either. I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I pray that, Lord, you'd convict of sin where that's necessary, but I pray that you'd bring them to a point where they would simply trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I pray, Lord, that they would recognize, they can remind you of your promise. If they will trust Jesus Christ, they will be saved. They will be born again into your family. There is no doubt of that. So I pray that you might move among us this morning, Father, as we conclude the service. I just ask that you would go with us as we go our separate ways. Protect us. and Continue to use us for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.